This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie Dobbin? Good morning, Robin. I'm really, really doing well. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> na, 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 na. There we are. Na, 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 na. Yeah, yeah. Doing good here. Uh, another gray day, I'm afraid. Yeah, we've had a lot of those. People were so tickled. I was uh, <laughs> filling in on the classical station last week, and people were so tickled. I think it was Thursday. Yeah. Thursday, there was a. Yeah, there was sun, and a people were just orb. clamoring to get outside and enjoy as much as they possibly could. <laughs> I know, it was blinding. It was like, what? <laughs> what's going on? I can't see. You know what's funny? The way the sun pours into my kitchen window, it's right where my coffee maker is. So when the sun is out, I have to wear a baseball cap when I'm making my coffee because I am blinded. I can't see anything because the sun oh is goodness. directly in my eyes. It's very funny. But that's okay, right? We'll take yeah. it. Yes, now what's yeah. the, well, now that is showing here that the temperature in the Collingwood area is about minus three. I think it's it's in the minuses throughout the province. Uh, in the mm-hmm. early minuses, what are what are you sitting at? Same thing, like sort of minus one. I think we're a little milder than you, but not as well. There's a few little bit, tiny dusting of snow that blew around a few days ago that's still hanging around, but we're still we're green really. Yeah, we are as well for you know, except for the ski hills, uh, yeah. which is a good thing. But um, so how does that how does that affect? I mean, things are still asleep, right? Because mm-hmm. it's in the minuses. But how does that affect the the? Uh, it doesn't insulate the plants, right? No, snow is so important, and it's just interesting. Like where you are, it's I've always considered that like a guaranteed snow part of Ontario. So mm-hmm. plants, you know, you never need to go out there and really protect your roses or protect your tender plants because you are guaranteed a foot or two of snow. And that snow, it's the what is snow? Snow is frozen particles of water, but it's but the shape of those little crystals make it so that there's a lot of air in between the snowflakes. Mm-hmm. And it's that air that is so important that does that tempering of the extremes. So without that blanket of snow, you have the plants and the soil directly exposed to the ups and downs of whatever's going on. Right. So it's hard. It's absolutely harder on the plant, especially when there's wind, I would imagine. Sure, because the the soil will blow away even, you know, if it's dry. Yeah, yeah, it's snow is lovely. Like we uh, gardens plants do love the snow. (laughs) Yeah, listen, I would love to give out the numbers. Uh, I think you maybe have some updates about what's happening in your garden, but uh, let's give out the numbers. 416-360-0740. That's if you live in Toronto. And if you live outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, this is a toll-free number. 1-866-740-740. 4740. And uh, do let Ashy know if you're a first-time caller, because I will give you your garden wings, and we want you to call often. Please call early, and uh, one question per call, please. So what is going on, I guess, primarily in your indoor garden these days? 
Uh, well, I could talk a little bit more about that after the break, but okay. as it's obvious, we're not doing much outside other than I did. I remember I told you last week I hilled my roses because yes. there is no snow. But yeah, some I am doing some indoor plant maintenance that um, might be of interest and also growing stuff because it's never the wrong time of year to grow something. Okay, so we have lots of room on the lines. They've started ringing, but do pick up that phone and give us a call and we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show on Zuma Radio. And, uh, Charlie, you before we get to our calls, you have mm-hmm. a, a few announcements that you want to get to, yeah? Yeah, exactly. They're all happening this week. Horticultural societies are back from Christmas break, but it looks like everybody's uh, Zooming this week. Um, I wonder, it seemed like a lot of the, the groups had started kind of a hybrid situation, um, not really post-pandemic, because we aren't really post-pandemic, but they had started coming together as groups mm-hmm. with the, the Zoom as an option as well. But all three of these groups are Zoom only. So this is, um, and they're all open to anybody who'd like to attend. That's the cool thing. You don't have to be a member and you don't have to live close by. So Monday, the Agent Court Garden Club will be Zooming starting at 7 p.m. That's Monday, January the 8th. Uh, they have a speaker who's bringing you fabulous fungi as a topic and everyone of course is welcome for information on how to join in that meeting cheryl so with a c cheryl c-h-e-r-y-l dot penner p-e-n-n-e-r at hotmail.com tuesday the pickering hort society will be having their event they're zooming again at 7 p.m they have a speaker talking about beneficial bugs which is always a great subject not all bugs are pests right lots of bugs are good so uh, tune in with the pickering garden club 7 p.m to join contact pickering garden club info at gmail.com. Now, what you'll do is you'll send an email to these uh, addresses and they will send you the Zoom uh, link and then you're good to go to join the meeting. Wednesday, the always busy Riverdale Horticultural Society is also meeting at 7 p.m. and their speaker is bringing you the gardens of the Bloomsbury Group, which would be rather interesting. So again, info at riverdalehorticultural.ca to join the meeting you'll have to explain that to me the bloomsbury group i'm not sure what that is okay so the bloomsbury group i know you're right i'd heard of them i didn't really know who they were they were um between the after the first world war they were a group of young people who met at cambridge university actually i could be wrong it might have been before the first world war but a long time ago and they were movers and shakers, uh, avant-garde, wealthy young people. So uh, eventually Virginia Woolf was part of that group and, okay. and a whole bunch of famous people. So um, uh, Keyes, uh, the famous economist, Keyes was part of the group. So they were just people that were, um, uh, yeah, avant-garde is the word that okay. comes to mind, yeah, yeah. authors, etc. So yeah, they're kind of a funny group that are famous because they were and also criticized, like I say, because of their wealth and their ability, their privilege. 
Yeah, okay. And I wondered if it was British-based, because oh, yeah. Bloomsbury, I know there was a, I did a musical years ago called The Boyfriend, and there was called a, there was a song there called The Room in Bloomsbury. So I thought, uh, that, it rang a bell, and I hadn't heard that name for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So The Bloomsbury Group. Oh, very yeah, nice. Yeah. Unlike The Gardening Group. Unlike The Garden. <laughs> the Bloomsbury Group. Okay, here we are. Uh, let's go to our first caller. We have Judy on the line, and she's calling from Brighton. Welcome to The Garden Show, Judy. Good morning, guys. Um, I was, uh, okay, Charlie, we have a huge asparagus patch, and we've lived in this house for 35 years, and uh, it's always produced tons of asparagus, and in the last five years, it's really started slowing down a lot, and I, to be honest with you, we've never done anything with it except burn off in the fall. We burn off the big, tall stalks that we let go, and... uh, you know, when it goes to seed, right? But um, what do we do with it? Um, well, I would think that part of your issue is just that lack of nutrient. If the patch has been there that long and you've done no additional um, supplement of the, supplementing of the soil, I mean, that's the bottom line, is the soil does Which get depleted eventually. Uh, can you get um, access to some composted manure? Because that would be your best thing to top dress with. Yes, I have a whole trailer of it. There you go. <laughs> so yeah. if you can in the spring, so in the spring, um, so you, you you burn off the ferns in the fall and then in the spring, do you pull weeds or anything like that? Or what do you do? No, I've been told, pull the weeds, don't pull the weeds, uh, use yeah. salt that goes on the roads that keeps out the weeds, but the asparagus will still grow. I just, I, I, everybody, tell, I, everybody tells me a different thing. I find it very difficult to weed it. Yeah. yeah. Because you, you dig and then you find out that where you are is on top of where something was trying to come up or you broke exactly. off. Exactly something exactly and that's totally normal because it's been there that long when you first plant asparagus you do these nice neat little trenches and rows and you know exactly where the asparagus is but you know 30 years later it's it's certainly expanded i'm sure so that is a that is an issue um yeah if weeds aren't i mean weeds will compete with your asparagus for nutrient and water and air and sun and all that important stuff so that's where that why we consider trying to keep the weeds as low as possible so the asparagus can take advantage of the nutrients you're going to supply by top dressing the entire area if you can with even as much as two inches of composted manure it's more like the grass because it's mm. sort of like it's, the, it's in the middle. So it, it, that's why it's hard to take up because it's not like a weed. It's like mm. a whole chunk of sod. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it grows in the ditch. Huh. So I thought, well, maybe it didn't matter that the, and that's why someone told me, oh, no, you put road salt on it because that will kill the grass, but it won't kill the asparagus. And then I was going to till it. <laughs> and I didn't know whether oh, yeah. to till it. Like, I don't, you know. no. Road salt will kill any plant. Don't don't use road salt to kill. Uh, specific, like it's not selective, as we say. So road okay. salt is something that will cause your salt, soil to be salinized. And uh, if you look around an ocean or wherever there's salt water in the air, you don't see a lot of green growth. There's very few plants that can sustain salty soil. There are a few, but not many. So um, yeah, don't use road salt. No, what you need is a yeah, but it won't work. You know, there's nothing you can do other than if you really want to rejuvenate the whole patch 
scratch. You would just go through and you'd start a process of digging it all, the whole mess up and keeping the asparagus. You would do this in the fall and um, and eliminating the non-asparagus and then bordering the whole thing so that you wouldn't have that growing in of weeds in the future. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a one lot more thing of work. I wanted to just add to your show, yes, uh, last week about the wisteria. Mm-hmm. I have a wisteria. It's absolutely beautiful. It's huge. It's on a great support. Um, mm-hmm. I have wisteria suckering as far as 20 feet from the actual plant. Uh-huh. It is coming up all over. Through the grass, the lawn and I stuff. I got yeah. runners all over. It's impossible to dig anywhere around it. It's got to be the most invasive. I love it. But it's, <laughs> I know. it's terribly invasive. Love hate when it comes to wisteria. Very, very vigorous plant. You, We were saying that last week, right? So Mine's love it and house. hate it. Nowhere near the house. because, mm. But it grows towards the house. It grows towards anywhere it feels like bloody growing. <laughs> <laughs> Trumpet, trumpet vine is the same thing. I've seen people plant trumpet vine and then kick themselves 10, 20 years later because the these suckers come up, like you're saying, everywhere throughout the entire property. And they're mm-hmm. traveling down. You know, the neighbors soon have your trumpet vine, too. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you very much, guys. Have a great well. afternoon. Yeah, yeah, thanks Thank for the call you. there, Judy. Yeah, and don't be a stranger. Uh, give us a call. Our, we got we have room on the lines, okay? 416-360-0740. Don't wait till the last 15 minutes. <laughs> what? You know, because Everybody then, does then we're in a panic. In the last 15 minutes, we go, oh, my goodness, now we got to try and scramble and fit everybody in. <laughs> so, yeah, call now. Uh, 416-360-0740. That's the Toronto number. If you live anywhere else in the province, one 866 740-4740. We would love to talk to you if you have an indoor question, an outdoor question, planning ahead, whatever. Call yeah, to yeah. talk to us, and we'll even talk to you about manure. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on the Garden Show. We are chatting about wisteria. And I was just saying I would be almost, uh, I would be re- reluctant in a way. Except I, the, it's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, you brought up a very good point. I think it's worth sharing. I found that fascinating about mm. uh, what you told me. Uh, share that idea of uh, vigorous and invasive and um, the different levels of well, satisfaction, exactly. as it were. Exactly. Like, like when a plant grows well, we feel good. Like we we're doing a good job. And when a plant grows well, we're then have a problem because it's growing so well that it's now doing a takeover, whether it's in our yard or the neighborhood's yard. So there's always that fine line between my biggest problem is my plants grow too big or my biggest problem is my plants aren't big enough and then everything in between. So, you know, wisteria is just one of those things. It's, I don't say you shouldn't get it, but I do say you should be very prepared when you get it and give it as a... Um, as Judy mentioned, it's on a really solid structure, which is important because it is a very heavy plant uh, eventually, and um, it needs something solid to grow on. And then, yeah, just recognize it's it's going to be a very um, a big, big plant, and it's going to have big impact in your yard. Mm-hmm. 
Well, mm-hmm. good advice. Good advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, give us a, que- a call, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. We are now going to go to Diane, and Diane's calling from Dorchester. Welcome to the Garden Show, Diane. Thank you for taking my call, and Happy New Year to both of you and your families yeah. and the listeners. Um, I uh, took your advice. I had never planted geraniums in the wintertime in pots. I used to do my begonias that way with great success. Um, they're very slowly dropping leaves. Um, I've, unfortunately, I only have a north and a south window, so, but um, I can't believe it. Uh, they have actually almost tripled in growth since I have uh, brought them in the house. I water them only when the water meter indicates they need water. But um, should I be fertilizing them at all or only fertilize just before I plant them or what? Okay, so uh, you brought in geranium plants that you dug up in the fall. You potted them. You brought them in. Are they in the south window or the north window? I've got um, two in the north window. They're a little mm-hmm. bit smaller. They came out of the south flower bed, and mm-hmm. the four that I have in the south window in my husband's office, uh, taking up so much of his room here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> every time he wants to open the filing cabinet, but I I managed to <laughs> put it on a table with wheels. <laughs> so anyway, so you can roll yeah. the so geraniums out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I know I can go in the spring and buy new, but you know. Um, uh, if I can do it, that'll be an achievement for me. Sure. And and you know what? The, I think the thing to realize is the plants you have in those pots, they are not going to be – well, they may be the plants you put out in the spring. But the reason we grow the plants as you are in pots indoors in a sunny location and water only as required as you're doing, which is great, is because you're going to take cuttings. So your poor husband's office, but you're, you've got six plants Whoa. right now. You're going to have 60 plants if you want uh, by by May. The only question is how many, if you only want six at the end of the day, then maybe you'll just on principle take two or three cuttings from each of these plants. So you're going to take four to six inch tip cuttings that is part of that new growth that you're seeing. The fertilizing, you could start, but remember if you do fertilize, the plants are going to grow that much bigger and faster, uh, which is good if you want to propagate them and you want more geraniums. Uh, Otherwise, what you're growing right now are what we call the mother plants and the mother plants are always hefty big geraniums when they go out in the spring but when you take those cuttings from them now and over the next six to eight weeks that will cause those mother plants to be like shorter but bushier so they're going to be a much bushier bigger geranium when they go out after you take all these cuttings Okay, so um, what what would happen if I didn't do any cuttings at all and just put these back in in the, in the spring? Would they bloom again? Yeah, probably, but they won't be very good-looking plants because they'll be quite okay. spindly. All that okay. growth you're getting in the winter is spindly growth. It's it's um, tall, leggy, pale growth, and that's going to be. It's going to look like that when you take it out in the spring, and you don't want that. You want short, dark green, dense growth. Okay, I appreciate your help because, as oh I said, I've never done it before, and I'm glad I asked you because I wouldn't have been doing the cuttings. Okay, thank yeah, you so much. Have a good day. 
Thanks, Diane. Yeah, it's not hard to do cuttings. Like it's like I said, four to six inch tip cuttings. Uh, remove the lower leaves, and with that cut end, a little bit of rooting hormone, stim root number one. Uh, dip your little cut end into that, and then you can root geraniums in a glass of water. So you just got to make sure that where you remove the leaves, the um, the little bumps called nodes are under that that surface of the water or moist sand, moist vermiculite, anything moist, they will start to root. Um, again, it's a but the brighter the light. The, the slower the growth, the better the growth on geraniums. Okay, there we go. Um, we have uh, Aaron on the line, and Aaron is calling from Midland. Yeah, welcome to the Garden Show, Aaron. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's Aaron, yeah. Morning. Oh, yeah. How are Morning. you? Yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you. My question is uh, for Charlie. You have, quite a, you have very good experience with uh, gardens and, and plants. Have you ever thought of just having your own like greenhouse at home, especially now since um, let's say all the recalls of plants, romaine gets mm-hmm. recalled, cantaloupe gets recalled. Mm-hmm. You'd have your own sufficient like live at home and sustainable. Have you ever thought of doing mm-hmm. that? Oh, for sure. Yep. Uh, over the, the millennia of my life, I have thought of it on many occasions. For now, I make do with obviously outdoor edibles in season, but it's funny you ask because, you know, I remember like last winter, lettuce got so expensive, just plain old green lettuce. And I thought, I can grow this in my windowsill. Like, I don't need to buy lettuce at the grocery store. And I'm talking like leaf lettuce, um, sprouts. I always have a jar. I'm, I just grow alfalfa sprouts or different sprouts in a jar. Like, you will, right now, I, I was telling Dean earlier, I planted some peas, pea seeds as microgreens. So again, they're, they will germinate and then I'll just cut off the little sprouts as they start to grow and incorporate those into, uh, into our fresh, you know, salads, et cetera, because yeah, the price of, of fresh produce, the, the, it's crazy. The prices of all food has gone right off the rails and the quality I find is not so great either. So if we can grow things at home, then we do, we're just so much happier and and prouder and, and healthier as a result. A real greenhouse, I dream about it. I totally dream, but I can't do a halfway greenhouse. Like I need one with water. I need one with heat. I'll need one with supplemental lighting. Like I need, I, I need it all. And it's such a big investment that I just, I'm, I'm, you know, I buy lottery tickets and, and hope for the best, Aaron. What about you? Uh, well, I was thinking about the broccoli and cauliflower. Like, is that possible mm. to grow that at home and stuff like that? You know, like in a greenhouse area in the winter? You probably wouldn't because, well, you would if you had all the right conditions, the the light, et cetera, et cetera. But broccoli and cauliflower take up a big amount of room for the amount of food you get. So typically you would do more like what the commercial growers do and they grow peppers and tomatoes and cucumbers in greenhouses because you can have a pretty high quality and high quantity crop uh, in a greenhouse with um, taking a lot less space than say broccoli or cauliflower. Okay. It gives me some thought okay. there. I, yeah. I, I just can't uh, rely upon the produce now with all the chemicals and the, oh, the recalls. Just the cantaloupe. Exactly. Recall there. Yeah. 
So yeah, no, I hear you. you. It's uh, no, I hear you 100. So try um, Google microgreens, and I think you'll be pleased to see that there's so many options of seeds you can grow. Uh, if you've got, I, I mean, I have some supplemental lighting here, but uh, even a bright windowsill, what you can grow just for your own purposes. And once the seeds germinate, they just keep going. You cut them off, and they grow back. I mean, you're good for a couple of weeks with a. I use the old Chinese takeout containers, the little plastic. Uh, with a lid and um, drill a few holes in the bottom, soil, seeds, and I've got heating pads underneath just to speed up my germination of my seeds. And, and yeah, once it gets growing, it's, it's lovely. And it's just right there. And herbs, many of the herbs you can grow easily indoors for yourself as well. Okay, thank you Okey very doke. much. Thanks for that. Oh, you're welcome. It, thanks for the call. Very, uh, very interesting. <laughs> I had not considered that. I, I tend to, well, not tend to, I am not surprised by what you said there, Charlie, because I think uh, sometimes the, the work involved and the expense far outweighs the yield that you can get. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a quandary. It is if you're going big, big time. I mean, that's, but like I said, you can do a lot of inexpensive things indoors now. Uh, And even if you don't have a bright, sunny window, I mean, a simple heating pad, what's that, $20? Mm -hmm. I wrap it all like in pillowcases and plastic. That's underneath my seeds. And then, um, yeah, just there's a lot of great um, grow lights now that didn't used to be around since the invention of the LEDs. Mm -hmm. So LED lights are far superior to what we used to use as grow lights because they don't, they don't, they don't get really hot. They don't use a lot of electricity and they are designed with the right um, uh, light, the right light colors, literally to uh, encourage growth. So yeah, no, I've got a little tabletop lights that I use just to start my my Mm -hmm. season. And then as my, as I get going, I've got uh, overhead LED as well. It's pretty darn handy to know that those sprouts that you talked about, when you lop them off, will grow back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. super simple. Yeah, and and um, those are that's microgreens that you light lop off. Yeah. Sprouts is where you germinate the seed and then you eat the, the newly the germinated seeds. And I just again, it's just a jar, like a soup jar, a 500 ml soup jar with the the ring lid. You know, the the two part lids that we use mm-hmm. when we're preserving. So it's just that, but instead of the so the ring is part of the setup, but instead of the flat metal. Um, top on that, I have it like a sieve. It's a, a concave sieve that that gets attached to the jar with the ring, and the water goes in and out, like drained, you know, through the top, drained out, kept upside down, and mm. it's only a few days. It's four or five days, and you don't even want sun when you're germinating sprouts as sprouts. You just want them to sit on your kitchen counter. You don't want them in direct sunlight because you want them to be basically white. Uh, they're more tender when they're white. Yes. Okay. And, and a great nutritional value, I would imagine. Yeah, as well. yeah. Totally. Okay. Okay. Let's go to our next caller. We have Barry on the line. He's calling from uh, North York. Welcome to the Garden uh, Show, Barry. Thank you. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy Morning. New Year to you. too. Yeah. Thank you. Um, my question is this. I was looking after a friend's cat a couple of weeks ago, and she wanted me to water every one of her 15 plants by taking them to the actual <laughs> sink and putting water underneath it. <laughs> I'm thinking, what about a watering can? So, oh no, no, my plants are different. In uh, the orchid, and uh, um, and there was a um, an aloe vera, 
and that she wanted me to actually put uh, that in the water and then turn it upside down in the actual <laughs> container and drain the water. Is that necessary? And Barry, did you uh, did you have to do this during a full moon when the, you know there was? <laughs> I like the way you say every one of her 15 plants. <laughs> oh, it took an hour. Yeah. So, okay, well, I, I, so, and it all started with a cat. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so well, she wanted to look after the cat and the plants and, and everything else. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope she took you out for a very nice dinner after all that. Um, well, so, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. Well, hopefully she's listening and she will. <laughs> So, so aloe vera, I mean, I don't know how long this person was away, but aloe vera does not need a lot of water. And um, I only water succulent plants like aloe vera, jade plants, um, any of the, the sort of indoor succulents that we grow when the leaves start to feel soft. So it could be a month or two between watering, particularly at this time of year. So those I never concern myself with. Um I know I love it. Her plants are different. So a, a, what I do is a watering can full of water that sits out overnight minimum. So it's room temperature. I, some plants are watered from below into the saucer from below that you do not want to get the um, soil wet from the top because the leaves don't like to get wet or there's a corm or a tuber that you don't want to rot. Like cyclamen is an example. So we water from below. Um the only plants I take all the way to the sink are my orchids, which I, I dunk them into pails of water, and then I let them drain into the sink. No tipping upside down because all my pots are, sorry, all my plants are in pots with drainage holes. So there's no need to tip them upside down. The water should drain out the bottom. Well, yeah, she did have an orchid and a couple of orchids, and that's what she wanted me to do. She says she doesn't have any kind of extra um, little thing underneath to drain it. Um, so that's why hers are different. And uh, so, so the orchid you do have to take to the to the sink and then um, mm -hmm. and drain it that way. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but she does have like a saucer below, or she doesn't. Is the orchid in a pot with no holes? Yeah. Well, it was in it was in a pot um I, I don't think it no i don't think it had holes yeah so that that's why her plants are different she has gone and planted her plants into pots that she loves but the pots have no holes and that's the that's a cardinal rule that she's breaking so you might want to mention that to her she could make her own life a lot easier if she repots into her plants into pots that have drainage and then she has to buy that extra saucer or tray or whatever to go below. Or sometimes I use a beautiful overpot, you know, a, a ceramic painted, something really pretty that's covering the ugly grower's pot, but it still catches the water. Because when you water, you want to water thoroughly enough that the water goes through and drains out the bottom. Oh, okay. Um, thank you. And I just wanted to leave your um, listeners with a Resolution for 2024, I hope people will share this message on all social platforms, that we be a little bit more kind, considerate, compassionate, caring, tolerant, understanding, cooperative, forgiving, understanding, and loving toward each other, as well as kind and forgiving to ourselves. Let's spread this love to the world by putting it out on social media, please. Thanks, Barry. Well said. Yeah, well said. Thank, Thank you very you. much, Barry. Okay. Okay. And I think that Mary, maybe Barry should get his friend a, a beautiful watering can for 
<laughs> gift. <laughs> I wouldn't get her anything. She owes him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, we are going to go to a break, and then we will be back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, we're back here on The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Charlie Dobbin, Dean Holland. Um... Okay, uh, we have, uh, first I want to give out the numbers, 416-360-0740. There is lots of room on the lines. Give us a call, 1-866-740-4740 here on this. Uh, this is our, of course, this, this is our first, that's our first show of 2024, right? It is, it is. Yeah. It's a rather exciting, turning a new leaf, so to speak. Yeah, indeed. Okay, let's go to uh, Cynthia, and she's calling from Mississauga. Welcome to the Garden Show, Cynthia. Yeah, good morning. Thank you very much. I am listening to Charlie. I'm Charlie every week, and I enjoy your show. Well, try every week. Um, I have a question about my hibiscus. Okay, I'm wondering if I can cut it back now. It's um, Mm -hmm. not doing too well. It has got a dead yeast on it. I don't know if I'm overwatering it or what's the problem. So um, I want to cut it back for the winter. Can I do it now, or it's too late? No, no, it's not too late at all. If anything, it's a too early. Um, this is a tropical okay. hibiscus that you brought into your house before frost, and it's in a pot, and it doesn't look very good by the sounds of it. The house one, I got always had it in the house, yes. Yeah. So do you, a couple of things. Make sure it's in the brightest window that you have. So oh, yes. south or west. Yes. That's important. Do not water unless it's dry. I don't know how big the pot is, but if you can stick your finger in the pot, do that. If it's too deep for your finger to go in, then get a moisture meter, and then you know to not water if there's still moisture down at the bottom of the pot. If it's still reading wet or or quite damp, do not water uh, until it's quite dry. Hibiscus want to be, particularly in the winter, they want to be allowed to dry down between waterings and of course nice bright sunny spot no drafts no hot drafts no cold drafts and sure get out your pruners you can give that plant a serious haircut um you can cut it down i mean it's still early january so i would try and hold off on doing a serious pruning job till another month early february and then you can cut that whole thing down by a half if you want to uh at that time of year. Right now is a bit early because the light levels aren't really there yet for the plant to bounce back. So just to to be aware of that. Okay, yeah. Um, All the above that you said I do, it gets lots of uh, light and it's, um, it's, um, I I know when it's dry, it needs water because the leaves go, you know, dry and yeah, they're dying. So then I water Mm -hmm. it, right? So I I, I do everything that's good. It's a beautiful red triple blue. And mm-hmm. I really don't want it to die. So, no, I will hold on until next month or early yeah. March before I cut it back. And I can cut That's it back right. as low as possible. So it's uh, you, can cut, you can shrink the whole plant by a half, and then you can keep what you cut off and grow more plants. They're very easy to grow from cuttings, from the, the tips, cuttings, 
four to six inch length of tip cuttings. So when you're cutting it back, you know, some of it may go in the composter, but they keep the tips and you can root those, obviously keep the mother plant. And when you do that pruning a month from now, you can also start fertilizing with a flowering plant fertilizer. So whatever um, sort of you've got water soluble, follow the instructions, start fertilizing once a month, starting next month. Next month, okay. Um, just the moisture meter. <clears throat> I've never heard of it. Um, can I oh. get it any any store? Which, which I yeah, like, um, yeah, exactly. Any... The Canadian Tires, the Home Depots, the garden centers would have a moisture meter. It's a very handy tool if you have any big pots in your in your home that are hard to tell when to, when it's time to water. Little pots okay. are easy because you can feel the weight. Big pots That's are right. always a bit more challenging. Right. Okay, thank you very much for your help. I appreciate it. Happy New Year to you and all the very best, and I enjoy your show. Continue doing your great work you do, okay? Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Bye-bye Cynthia. Now. Okay, Charlie, we're going to go to uh, one last break, and we'll be back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, yeah, we are back here on The Garden Show, and Charlie, I can see here we have our first First-time caller of 2024. Yes, oh. we have John on the line from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, John. Uh, yes, hello there. I was wondering. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. And because you're our first, you're our first first-time caller, so <laughs> you're getting the first-time Double caller wings. wings. There Double. you go. <laughs> Double garden Thank wings you. for John. Woo-hoo. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. I was wondering. Um, I had someone over for the uh, holidays, and uh, she mentioned that. The double plant that I have uh, called, I only know it as a Christmas cactus because it has this elongated blooms at Christmas time. But my Christmas cactuses didn't bloom and hers didn't bloom either. Are we doing something wrong with Christmas cactuses? Uh, You know what? I find with Christmas cactus, they can be a little bit um, inconsistent. What makes the difference for setting blooms on a Christmas cactus is temperature. So we know that they like bright light. So we keep them in usually a southern or a western window in our homes. If you can put that plant out for the summer, I would do so. Sometimes they're too big and we can't take them out. They're just too big to get through the door. But if you can leave them, you know, have them out. Now you wouldn't put them in direct sun outside. You would put them, you know, somewhere where they'd get half day sun outdoors all summer and leave them outside until October. October. That way they'll get some dark nights, some cool nights, and when you bring them in, they'll be covered in buds. If you keep them oh. inside your home and you don't go out for the summer, then, then again, it does come down to dark nights and cool temperatures. So make sure that it's in a room that is um, either not as warm as as we typically keep our, our homes pretty warm in terms of room mm-hmm. temperature, mm-hmm. and Christmas yeah. cactus will be green if you do that. Okay, that's wonderful. Um, you know how those Christmas cactus have like one inch elongated little sections and then another one attaches to it and another one and then they drip and hang down. They're very they seem to be very fragile. <laughs> 
to you maybe. <laughs> they are actually evolved from the forest. They were forest floor and up in trees kind of plants that are actually pretty tough. Um, yeah, there are, there has been breeding over the years uh, where there's selections for colors and, and longer inflorescence or flowers. But generally speaking, they're pretty tough plants. You can make sure you, you know, dry down between waterings, lots of light. Yeah. You should fertilize when they're actively growing. So in the fall, usually and the winter, we do some fertilizing. And now post flowering, we leave them alone. No water, no fertilizer. Oh, one quick question, please. Um, I have a Boston fern, which I rested from a grocery store for 50% off, but I have it in a very dim lighted area of the apartment. Uh, will it come around um, or will I just have to let it go? Um, bright light, not direct light, but bright light is important for even a Boston fern. Yeah, so it's hard to say dim versus bright. Um, oh. It should be, an, uh, yeah, hard to say. Bright is important, but all, even as important as light is humidity. A Boston fern is going to want a humid spot. So your kitchen, your bathroom, places where the humidity is more is higher than the rest of the apartment would be appropriate as well if you okay. can provide that or misting or take it in the shower with you sometimes it's just like shower with your fern and it'll be a happy plant <laughs> okay happy new year you okay too. you too john thanks <laughs> don't be a stranger make sure you give us a call again uh charlie going to go right to another caller we've got uh stella on the line calling from elora yeah welcome to the garden show stella thank you morning uh, yes hello hello yeah go ahead yeah, I just want to say that I do listen to your program every Saturday. I've done it for many, many years, and I really enjoy it. Um, Thank and that, you. It was just a tip that I had for the gentleman who wanted to grow different plants inside through the winter. Um, mm -hmm. I have fresh kale growing all year round. I have it in the garden. In the fall, I dig up the three plants that I have, put them in great big pots in my porch, and I just pick off the kale as I need it, and it just regrows. And I've had nice. one plant going for two years. <laughs> so, and that's an unheated porch, right? An unheated porch, yes. Right, but it's warm enough that it's it doesn't wow. get super frosty. So, no, yeah, it's, cool, it's great idea. It's a closed-in porch, but I don't mm -hmm. have any heat in there at all. But it, the kale will go all through the winter. Nice. Wow. That's a great wow, that's idea. Yeah. I have one of those. I have, we call it a three-season room. I should probably be doing that with my kale because I. I, I left it out to, to the frost, and we haven't actually been that cold. So I think I could still go out and do some harvesting at my place at this point. But, yeah, great yeah. great tip. Thanks, Stella. Yes, you're very welcome, and a happy new year to everybody. Thank you. Thank you. You too. You as well. Bye. Thanks, Stella. Yeah. Wow, that is really neat. I didn't – I wouldn't have thought of that. I wouldn't have thought that it could be on an, you know, an, an unheated porch, but I guess it's still warmer than outside. That's right. And kale is super tough. I mean, you could do okay. the same thing with Brussels sprouts, except that they get so tall. And uh, yeah, any of those really, really what they could call cold, hardy vegetables. So yeah. yeah, good tips. I love it. I love it when the callers not only share their problems, but also some of their great ideas and solutions as well. Mm -hmm. So keep that coming. And um, yeah, enjoy your week, Dean. I will yeah. do that. Yes. Lots going on in the radio, land of radio, radio land. 
I do, yes. Always lots in Radio Land. Uh, last week was a little busier because I was doing some fill-in work on the classical, uh, the sister station of uh, AM740, Classical FM. Uh, this week is a little bit lighter, so I get to catch my breath and uh, catch up with my indoor gardening. I actually do have some repotting I should actually do, yes, um, which I'm, I sometimes hesitate because then I think, oh, maybe I shouldn't do it in the winter. Do it when uh, you can. If you've okay. got time, just do it. Because you know, sometimes you just got to grab the moments. I just repotted an orchid this week. So, yeah, yeah. you got to do what you got to do. But, you know, speaking of land, when we're joking about Radio Land, we, uh, for New Year's, because we didn't go to Montreal, watched the movie Barbie. So that just made me think of it because yeah. of Barbie, Barbie Land. Yeah. Okay, sounds silly, but it actually is a very good movie. It was way better than I thought it was going to be. So if you're looking for some fun entertainment, rent Barbie and and have a good chuckle because they do an amazing job of, of uh, providing you uh, since the 60s, the story of women yeah. and women's emancipation starting in 1959 with the first Barbie doll. So, yeah, you uh, know what? My, my wife went with uh, our daughter to see uh, it uh, yeah. and uh, she said the same thing. She said she was pleasantly surprised that there was like an underlying really kind of a good, strong message there. So which was, yeah. Yeah, it, it was pretty cute. And Elliot, he enjoyed. Like he watched it because I was watching it. Yeah. But at the same time, he was surprised at how much he enjoyed it. And he was obviously never a Barbie person. But uh, it's just really well done. The acting, there's a lot of great actors in it. It's good music. Uh, the whole thing is just well done. So Sweet. a nice, a nice break. If it's a, if it's a gloomy day, it'll make you chuckle. Well, those are marching orders that I never expected to get from you. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to watch the Barbie movie this week with my wife. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Ashley. You watch it too, though. I know you're way too young to probably have ever even had a Barbie. But nevertheless, <laughs> yes, thanks, everybody. Great calls. Keep them coming. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.